Happy Friday and welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Richard Taylor Jr., reporting to you live from Workhorse HQ in Edmonds, Washington. Listen, I hope that you all are doing well and that you all are having a great morning so far and that you all have had a great week. I cannot believe we are down already with the first week of June. It's time to get busy, family. But before we go ahead and do that, I want to just say thank you really quickly to everybody who's tuning in today. Maybe it's your first time or one of your few first times. Thank you so much. I ask that you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on and make sure that you share as well. And of course, for my dream team, for those of you all that are returning, that listen and that constantly show love and support, thank you all as well. As you know, the podcast would not be possible without you. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you. So June is Men's Health Month. It is also uh, PTSD Awareness Month. From the mental health side, I wanted to really dive into these two. And so the post that I put up on my social media page for the first day of Men's Health Month on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, had to do with emotional detachment. And it was really cool because some of my followers were like, oh my God, you know, women go through this too. And I'm like, I know. But I was like, I was trying to be specific to just help the men. But I said what I would do is I was like, I want to have general conversations around some of the things that I'm talking about specifically for men on the podcast here so that we could have everybody included. Because it's very true, right? Um, I had a really um, dope follower kind of just break down. Um, you know, her emotional detachment experience. And I was like, this is great. So we need to be able to talk about this on all fronts. And that is what we are going to do today. Um, Well, we kind of started with it. Let's backtrack. We started with it on, I believe, Wednesday's episode where I talked about um, identifying emotional detachment, right? But now as we move forward, I think that we are going to continue to not only talk about it, when it comes to the aspect of the how to identify it. But of course, we need to talk about ways to break through that emotional detachment as well. So today's conversation is going to focus heavily on that aspect, right? And so I want to make sure that I'm doing this justice as we talk. So of course, when we had the conversation on Wednesday in the identifying of it aspect, we talked a lot about being able to look back at traumas growing up, being able to look back at potential um, abusive behavior, maybe some um, <clears throat> even voluntary behavior that we had that led us to certain circumstances, right, that ended up leading to maybe some form of trauma, right? And whether it was a low grade or a high grade of PTSD, it was still PTSD, right? It led to some kind of tormenting thoughts. It led to some things that um, maybe you weren't expecting. It shifted how you approached life and relationships or whatever the case might be, right? And so I wanted to give you all some help with that. And we covered that on Wednesday. Today, I wanna give two thoughts that I think will be really helpful when we talk about being able to break the barrier um, in the emotional detachment aspect, right? And I was listening to a while back, I got a chance to check out, um, God, who was it? Um, uh, Dr. David uh, Pewter, um, who uh, I think it's a psychiatry and psychotherapy podcast, but he talked about um, this concept of how to fix like emotional detachment. I thought it was really good. And some of the things that I had ended up taking from 
what he put out there had to do with this conversation of like uh, congruence and incongruence. And I know that certain, you know, uh, mental health professionals, therapists and psychologists and psychotherapists specifically will use um, this congruence and incongruence piece. And so essentially, uh, when, when they talk about congruence, congruence is uh, like someone's ability basically to feel and express their inner emotions in a like good, productive type of manner, right? Consistent manner um, with like their um, outer people, right? So let's say your family, your friends, and this can come through the form of like your body language, but also your like actual verbal speech too. And so what happens a lot of times is that that congruence is essentially what we are trying to shoot for when we talk about, you know, not just being emotionally um, attached to individuals, but even just all the conversations that we had from 31 days of power, for example, right? All of these different conversations around how we can be proactive rather than reactive. That essentially is the congruence aspect when you talk about it from a psychological aspect. So um, I think what I, what I thought was really dope when it came to just the breakdown of, of the incongruence that Dr. Pewter had talked about, he, uh, he really talked about these like five ways that like the incongruence can develop for us right and so obviously the other day i was telling you all about like how we have these traumatic experiences yada 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 so i thought this was really dope and i just wanted to kind of give you all some insight to it because maybe you can identify this in your own life or in the lives of people around you as we you know continue to learn and grow together to help each other right so with the incongruence um an incongruency development what you tend to find happen is the first thing is that obviously voila trauma occurs right um when the trauma occurs the next thing that happens is that we begin to assign a meaning to it which i think is really interesting because you know one of the big pushes that i always have for folks in life is like yo we need to find the meaning in the chaos but a lot of times when we find the meaning early on right so let's use childhood trauma as an example finding meaning early on as a child for trauma or when we're younger or let's just say even when we're vulnerable in those moments where we're trying to find meaning for the trauma um many times um the meaning has a stunted type of like growth or understanding behind it so our meaning is going to kind of be skewed because of the fact that we might not necessarily have um, not just full understanding, but full mental development or even in our adult life, depending on the capacity of what we have um, within where we're dealing with, I'm sorry, with what we're dealing with and where our level of like sensitivity and vulnerability might be mentally and emotionally we could kind of have some of the same things, right? So the next thing that happens after we assign this kind of like, you know, stunted uh, meaning to it, we structure habits and actions around that belief of that meaning, right? And then the next thing that happens after that is we see patterns in our lives that reflect that belief, right? And then finally, we have to either live with it or deal with it. And a lot of times we're not dealing with it. We just tend to live with it and we let it shape our, our person, our being. We kind of go into that whole you know, conversation piece of like, oh, well, this is just who I am. This is how I've been, but not realizing that, no, sometimes how we've been and why we do what we do is actually because of what we experienced early on, 
how it shaped us, how we structured habits around it, how we created patterns from those habits. And then, of course, how we've lived with it ever since and not actually ever truly chose to deal with it. So in the spirit of dealing with it today, that leads me back to these few points that I want to give you all real quick. And they're going to be very, very simple. Obviously, listen, if it is a huge trauma or maybe it's a trauma that you can't shake, maybe it's an experience that you can't shake, right? Maybe, and, and, and I, when I say trauma, I want you all to hear me. We talked about this last month. But trauma doesn't necessarily always have to be something like life-threatening, right? Trauma comes in so many different forms. Definitely when you look at the definition of trauma, talking about power and control being stripped from us, right? So sometimes life just alters and happens in a minute. And that change can bring about trauma because we weren't, one, expecting it, and two, don't know how to deal with it, right? So if this is you and you feel like, man, I am having a hard time breaking this, I would definitely encourage you all, hey, it is okay to go and talk to somebody. When we talk about either psychotherapy or talk therapy, I would say those are two phenomenal avenues that you could go to um, immediately if you find yourself breaking, uh, or I'm sorry, not being able to break what it is. Now, listen, maybe you're not at that point yet where you feel like I'm not comfortable with going to see a therapist or talk to somebody that I don't know. Okay, well, listen, remember what I said the other day, you can still be emotionally detached and have friends. So maybe this is an opportunity for you to talk to somebody that you're close to, to talk to an individual around you that can help you at least bridge the gap so that you can start to feel more comfortable about taking your experience and your story and moving it to the next level in space and talking to someone about what you feel, what's happened, and how it shaped you, right? Now, after we get past that, I wanna encourage you all to do two things. The first is this idea of how can I find a way or how can I find different ways to embrace vulnerability? How can I find ways to be emotionally vulnerable and be okay with it, right? And this comes through trial and error. If we're being completely honest, it's going to come through practice. And that practice is going to come through a willingness that says, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot, even though it's not my norm. And this is why I think this is so important, because truthfully, some barriers are only broken by us putting action behind them. Some barriers, while we might be able to get, you know, some help and maybe a little nudge without doing anything, there are and will be some times where you're you, like, you've got to be able to step up to the plate. Now, hear me. I'm not saying when you step up to the plate, going back to the There is Hope chapter in my fifth book, The Other Side, I talked about how hope maybe isn't necessarily found through the walk off Grand Slam home run or this one big miraculous event. But in the same context of there is hope and how hope could literally be found through doing the small, consistent things right, this is my encouragement for you when we talk about finding ways to be emotionally vulnerable. Taking the small steps to give an opportunity to let someone close to you in so that one, you can gain a different perspective and two, you can get the help that you need when it comes to actually creating a, a new groove, a new uh, space for yourself to be able to understand the, the, the small intricacies of being emotionally vulnerable and starting to find your own footing within that. 
to say, hey, it doesn't have to look like everybody else's, right? Or um, it, it's a growth piece. So for you, maybe maybe you've only got a little bit, but that little bit is helping you to start building up so that you can find yourself with greater wins and victories of being emotionally vulnerable in the future. And then the next piece that I want to give you all, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the emotional vulnerability, um, is I think with the relationships that we do have, and, and like I said Wednesday, you know, we might not have taken advantage, right, with the relationships early on and being, um, you know, attached to them in a more intentional or deeper manner. I want to encourage you all to strengthen those relationships. And how do you do that? Um, you know, when we talk about being able to identify those things, one of the things that I gave you on Wednesday, excuse me, was that even though you might not be as emotionally attached to those that are closest to you, you could still ask them for their perspective when it comes to you and your emotional attachment or detachment in this regard. And in that, be able to build from there, right? And that's what it is. It's strengthening your relationships. And if we go back to what Dr. Pewter talked about in that podcast that I referenced earlier, one of the things that he talked about with the idea of being psychologically congruent, in, which is essentially to say you have an ability to feel and express your emotions on a consistent basis, that is really what it is. It is the consistency, and that consistency really only comes through practice, you all. So I don't want to be, you know, around the bush with this, but the question now becomes, how can I be consistent in doing just a little bit here and there to make sure that I am finding ways to be emotionally vulnerable, but then also to strengthen my relationship with the people around me? How can I, I not run away from my traumas anymore and not just live with them and hold them as either a badge of honor or obviously, you know, as the the defense barrier that has been so good to us, but to rather say, I need to face this, look at what's happened in my life, look at how this has shaped me, and from doing that, make a commitment now to changing so that I can be better and so that I can be good to myself when it comes to maybe walking into this space that I deserve when it comes to not living emotionally detached anymore, but truly being attached to the people around me because for my overall mental and emotional, it's going to help me so much in the long run. That's my message for you all today. I hope that this helps, right? We've got to get back to being congruent or for lack of better words, simplicity, balanced, right? We've got to find a balance that will allow us an opportunity to be honest, open, and vulnerable so that we can start living attached. Understanding that when we are vulnerable and we're opening up, it is not showing any signs of weakness. It is not showing that we are less than. It is simply saying that I understand that through the community that I have and through the community that I will gain and develop, I'm actually flexing my biggest muscle, which is the power of community. We are better together. We work better together. 
and we pull harder together. That's actually a quote from Workhorse. I thought it was just great to put it in right there. But no, we really are better together. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. If this message helped you at all, please make sure you share it. You can tag me on the socials as well. Jr. on Instagram. Richard L. Taylor Jr. on Facebook and LinkedIn. And at TrulyTaylorMade on Twitter. And of course, website RichardTaylorJr.com. Love you all. Can't wait to see you and talk to you soon. You're not losing a life. You're not failing. You're simply between the dream. Have a great weekend.